Lunch with Pippa Hudson. And now, Consumer Talk featuring Wendy Nola. Who is with us via Skype today again? Uh, we're going to be taking a look at a listener's query around prepaid electricity being docked to cover arrears. Then we look at the issue of overpackaging in the online delivery space. And I hope have time for some open line calls as well. Uh, as always, you're invited to phone in and join the conversation on 021-446-0567 or send a voice note to 072-567-1567. Hello, Wendy. Wish you could be with us in person, but glad to have you on Skype if we must. Uh, thanks, Pippa. Ditto. <laughs> but we, yeah, we have to do what we have to do. Indeed. Well, let's press on and start on a positive note. For once, Wendy, before we tackle the the, the issues of the day, we're going to start with some really nice positive consumer feedback on the issue of COVID cancellations. Uh, our listener William emailed this morning, sharing his story. Won't you just uh, summarise for our listeners what he said? Yes, with pleasure. Very. Um, Nice to have a, a a positive story around COVID-related cancellations because my inbox is full of the not-so-positive yeah. ones. So, William wrote, so nice to have a good news story. In March 2020, I booked with Ceres Rail Company to do a train trip with my wife to Elgin. I'm, I'm not from the Cape. Is it Elgin it's or Elgin? Elgin, Elgin Railway Market. <laughs> Elgin, okay. Elgin Railway Market in April 2020 for our anniversary COVID came and they cancelled all trips. When asking for a refund, I was told that the booking will be valid when they start up again. I was not too happy, but I accepted it. In February this year, I got a mail to say that there'd been a change of management and I would be contacted shortly. I have to butt in here and say, mm-hmm. normally stories that go like that, I would really be I would be expecting a, and I never got my money back in. Yeah. But not in this case. In November, William got a voucher from the Elgin Railway um Series Sorry, the rail series company. Yeah. rail company, yes, to get, to tell him that his trip is now valid until November 2022, and he's very happy. So thank you for sharing, William. William, and uh, I just want to add, and I know actually just completely coincidentally that rail company was on the show last week. It was one of the days when I was standing in for John, so I didn't get to do the interview myself, but I know that it did happen. So if you want to hear more about their new operations and what you can do over the festive season and all that, please do look out for the podcast. I think it would have been on Tuesday last week. And Wendy, it would be great if we heard a few more good news stories. I'm hoping that there might be more of them out there that listeners can relay. Oh, I'd be so happy to get them. It's that time of year we need to to celebrate the good, especially after the year we've had. So please, if you've had a, a if you've been wowed by the way a company has responded to an enforced uh, COVID-related cancellation, please do tell us about it, and we will um, give them a shout out on the show. That would be great. Either send us a voice note oh seven two five six seven one five six seven, or if you want to, you can send it by email, and we can pick it up next week. Uh, Pepper H at CapeTalk.ca but it would be lovely to hear the voice notes uh, starting right now. Please feel free to, 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 to share those stories with us from today. Okay, um, Wendy, on to the first topic for today. It's one that's actually been raised in various forms by several of our listeners who've queried why they were getting much less than they used to when paying for their prepaid electricity. And in fact, we've discovered it's because they're in arrears with the city on, on other accounts and not only the electricity accounts, Wendy. Yes, so I must admit this was news to me. For those who owe the city of Cape Town money, prepaid electricity has become particularly expensive. And that's because the city unilaterally keeps a portion, um, we could say grabs a portion, but essentially keeps a portion of their spend and puts it towards the settlement of what they allegedly owe owe the city in, be it unpaid, 
unpaid water uh, costs, rates, fines, or penalties. And um, the question clearly is, is that morally and legally justified? The good party thinks not. So, yeah, it's... Um, it's uh, Secretary General Brett Heron made the point that affected consumers are not given the opportunity to dispute the alleged deb debts, fines or penalties, and that the Electricity Regulation Act doesn't allow for deductions from prepaid electricity purchases for debt collecting purposes. Okay, so there are lots of issues here. And I think um, important to say that, yes, the city has a right to reclaim money that is owed to it, but it's the how and the when and the, the what about those who feel that the deductions are not fair and uh, who are disputing the amount that is being taken that are really the salient issues here. We have got Brett Heron, the Secretary General of the Good Party, on the line with us because they have attempted to take this further. So I'm interested to hear his view on how far they've got. Brett, always great to have you on the show. Welcome. Thanks so much. Good to be on. Just some context first. How long has this been, been happening for? And is Cape Town the only municipality that does it, as far as you know? Um, so the, the practice has certainly spread to other municipalities as I was um, doing some research into it. Mm -hmm. um, and I would say that it's, the practice has been in place probably for about the last eight or nine years. Um, I recall that when I was in the, the council and a member of the DA. Um, how a number of councillors, DA councillors, particularly those re representing poorer communities, would raise this often in the caucus discussions about how this um, practice was um, hurting families. So it's it's been, I think it's been a practice for about at least eight years. Okay. And I know it was something that you uh, were talking about in the lead up to the elections, Brett, that you really wanted to, to see that practice changed. And we'll, we'll talk about what progress has been made on that goal. But can you maybe just explain to us how it works? What sort of percentage um, is deducted and, and, and um, you know, how, how high a deduction is possible? So the, um, the, the, the deduction is, is, is managed by or under what they call the credit policy, the, the City of Cape Town's credit and debt collecting policy. Um, which is adopted each year with the budget. Um, so it'll be adopted in around May this year for, for the next financial year. Um, the current policy allows a deduction of between 30% and 90% of your prepaid electricity purchases to settle what the city calls um, other arrears, um, penalties or fines. So it's quite broad as to what they can apply the, um, the, the deductions towards. Um, I mean, a fine could be a traffic offence that you that you are obviously also entitled to dispute that you committed the offence, but it's between thirty percent and ninety percent. Um, now, the ninety percent applies to the higher higher value properties. So, it's in the lower value properties, um, those properties where the value is below five hundred thousand rand, um, that um, the amount is between thirty and fifty percent of the prepaid electricity purchase can be applied towards debt. Okay, so Fred, um, if I could jump in there, sorry, Pippa. Yeah. Um, so they were clearly applying some sort of um, sliding scale there. The problem is, if I'm understanding you correctly, is that they're basing it on the municipal value of the property and not taking into account because that's, uh, they don't have that information at hand. They're not taking into account um, the person's actual income. So a, a pensioner could be just managing to cling on to a home that was paid off and is of a fairly high value, um, but, you know, it's just battling to make ends meet on a diminishing um, pension, for example, and now they're having 90% of their prepaid electricity 
deducted for an alleged debt. Um, and you've you've come up across some of those cases, haven't you? I have come across cases on both ends of the scale. So you're absolutely right. The um, the policy doesn't take into account the, the household income. It takes into account the value of the property. So in the higher um, LSMs or the higher property values, I've come across people who are on fixed incomes or low low incomes because they're now on pensions, but their house is paid off. It has a high value. And as they are falling into arrears with water debt and other debt, so the city is unilaterally deducting um, quite a large portion of their prepaid electricity um, payment towards settling this alleged debt. I've also had families who have disputed the um, the property valuation of their of their property. In that dispute process, they've withheld payments or part payments of their rates account. Um, while that amount mm-hmm. is being withheld, they are now considered to be in debt, and the city is deducting large portions of their prepaid electricity to settle that debt only to to have their appeal against the value of their property um, upheld. So they were right all along, um, but they had no control over this deduction. But then on the other end of the scale, where people are really struggling day to day, I mean, I've I've come across people who are scraping together 10 rand in the evening to quickly go and buy um, electricity. They have three rands worth of that, you know, three rand of that 10 rand is deducted for um, water arrears, whatever, they get two units of electricity, they quickly cook a meal, and then the lights are out. So it's quite a cruel Mm. practice, I think. Brett, in terms of the legality of the practice, uh, I mean, is there provision made for this in in various regulations? I mean, what about the consumer's right, as you said, to be able to contest the amount uh, of what they're told they're due? Well, I mean, I, you know, I am from, from a legal perspective, I think it's, it, it offends against the, the rule of law and the practice where you don't take the law into your own hands. So from a, just a general debt collecting practice, I have no right as a creditor to just come in and take money from you. I mean, there, I need a judgment and I need a warranted execution and I need an emolument attachment order or a garnishy order in order to take money from you, um, you know, with kind of force. So from a debt collecting practice perspective, I think it's illegal. But the electricity, um, the National Electricity Regulation Act or National Electricity Act specifically excludes um, um, the deduction of any other charges um, when charging for electricity. So I'm asking the public protector to consider whether this is lawful in terms of the debt collecting practice that applies in our in our in our country as a, as a as a common law and as you know determined in the rules of court, but also whether the, whether it's not an offence in terms of the electricity um, electricity act. We are talking to Brett Heron of the Good Party. In a minute, we will bring in the city uh, to respond. Uh, just for those who are questioning, we have got the MAKO member for finance listening in, and we will uh, give them a chance to reply. But interesting to note, Wendy, as we've been listening and chatting to Brett, uh, a string of messages in with a very common theme. They are from tenants who are being affected by this and uh, here's one of them oh Um, gosh john from rawson property saying the deductions from prepaid electricity affects tenants really badly when they buy electricity Mm. it's unfair they are not responsible for their landlord's debts but it's being deducted from their electricity purchases well this this is i mean this is another category of of um victimized consumers because the um, you're absolutely right. You know, it's, it's the property owners in arrears with rates, or alleged to be in arrears with rates. Maybe it's not even true. The the tenant of the property who purchases the prepaid electricity um, is the one paying 
off that debt and and losing um, prepaid electricity units. So it's a practice that I think is is wrong, but it also penalizes um, some innocent people, but also penalizes some very poor households um, who are literally living day to day on one or two units a day. Mm. Here's another example. Somebody saying we have a commune. Uh, Wendy, sorry, just quickly read this. We have a commune and we split the prepaid electricity, but not the rates. So if council dips into the prepaid electricity for the rates, it really messes up our books. Surely we can't be the only household with arrangements where the purchaser or user of the electricity is not the homeowner. Uh, Well, another one, two, three tenants uh, agreeing with that, saying we're in the same position. One saying I bought electricity for 300 and the city's deduction was 263 three rand of that 300 rand which is a substantial amount Um, okay I can see we're almost up to news headlines so we will come to the MACO member for finance after the news headlines uh, so that we can do justice to that conversation Brett just to come back you said you've you've asked the public protector to look into this what else is good doing to try and contest the practice so I mean I've asked the public protector to look into it but in the city of Cape Town's council uh, we now have now have nine councillors um, as I say, the um, the policy will be part of the next budgeting cycle and we'll be um, championing or fighting that this practice has changed and that that policy is amended when the new budget is adopted in May. Um, and where this practice is in place in other, other municipalities, we'll be doing the same. So we'll use our, our representation now in councils to, um, to challenge this. But obviously, we're not a majority party in any of these councils and... Um, so we have a two-pronged approach, use our councillors to challenge it in councils, but also to ask the public protector to to investigate and, to, and I think to declare it an unlawful practice. Brett Heron, thank you so much for joining us and thank you for raising this really important uh, issue. Brett, uh, the Secretary-General of the Good Party, after the news headlines, we will ask the city to respond. Siseko Mbandezi, our new MACO member for finance, has been listening in to Brett's comments and will respond and answer a couple of more questions from us. And uh, the invitation is open to you as well if you've been affected by this practice uh, and whether you feel it is fair or unfair, if you uh, want to share with us how badly it affects you your ability to keep your household running, to be able to put food on the table at the end of the day, you're very welcome to send a WhatsApp to 0725671567. Another WhatsApp, Wendy, saying a tenant on our block has money taken when he buys electricity because the landlord is not paying his rates. Surely this cannot be legal. Mm. We'll ask the city to respond directly to that particular instance. After the 2.30 news headlines, we'll be hearing from Siseko Mbandezi, our new MAKO member for finance. Cape Talk. Consumer Talk. WhatsApp on 072-567-1567. Okay, so let's come straight back to the conversation about the issue of um, arrears being deducted from electricity payments when purchasing prepaid electricity. Uh, Wendy, thank you very much for raising this important issue. Before the break, we heard from Brett Heron of the Good Party, who really is questioning its legality as well as the, the sort of moral reasoning behind it. Let's bring in uh, a city representative to respond to that. Siseko Mbandezi is our new MAKO member for the finance portfolio. And Siseko, first time I think I've chatted to you. Congratulations on that appointment. And thank you for joining us today. Uh, thank you very much. Good afternoon to you and your listeners. Uh, uh, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Now, um, Brett Heron has made the point that affected consumers 
are not given the opportunity to dispute the amounts that are being deducted, Siseko, that in some cases they, they, they may have a leg to stand on to argue the valuation that the amount is based on, to argue that they weren't in fact liable for fines that have been imposed. And he said that the Electricity Regulation Act doesn't allow for deductions from prepaid electricity purchases for the purposes of debt collection. How would the city respond to that? Uh uh, thank you very much. Uh, uh, I think firstly I just need to to say this up front uh, that that it is not um, uh, illegal. The National um, Electricity Regulation Act for of 2006 makes provision for electricity supplies to be disconnected for non-payment. That's that's the first thing, right? But as the city, we choose not to make use of this provision like in many other cities, I mean, many other municipalities that, that, that they, they make use of that provision. That's the first thing. The second thing is that the Municipal Systems Act, Section 102, makes provision for municipalities to consolidate separate accounts of any person liable for payment to the municipalities and implement debt collection and credit control measures on any accounts that are on area, right? So now these two pieces of legislation, they, they make, therefore, the practice legal, right? Therefore, the, our city's Credit Control and Debt Management Act, Clause 4, Section 11, allows then the city to deduct via prepaid purchases. So it is, it is not uh, uh, illegal. That's the first thing. The, 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 the second thing that I think you've said, or Brett may have said, was uh, there's the legality and the morality of it. Uh, remember now that when the deductions are done from prepaid purchases, right, the, 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 the city also makes sure that the customer still continues to benefit from the services. So there is no inconvenience because I think it will be immoral, you know, if you completely cut off uh, electricity supply or water supply to 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 a resident. So morally, it is also from where I'm standing fine because there will still be a provision of services to 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 a resident. And and lastly, uh, uh, Brett does mention the fact that he was part of this council when this policy was approved and adopted and he indeed himself participated in that and approved it. So I think perhaps, uh, you know, it is politically opportunistic to some extent now, uh, six years, seven years down the line, to turn back and say, what I approved, I think it's illegal or immoral when you had an opportunity at the time to, to raise that. So, uh, but, but, but as he also indicated, it, 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 it does get done in a number of other municipalities. So there's nothing illegal about it, neither there's anything immoral about it. Wendy, would you like to jump in with a question? Okay. Yes. Hello, Councillor. Um, thanks for the opportunity. Um, two things. You were talking about, uh, okay, the legality is, is one thing, um, although I, I would like to hear more, some perhaps off-air, about the technicality of electricity cutoffs being allowed for in the in the regulations as opposed to the system of debt collecting essentially which is what is being employed here but parking that for a moment um, 
how there are two issues that I'd like to raise. The one is the sliding scale, and we discussed with Brett and and via some uh, case studies about how that is often, you know, it's a very incorrect science if you're going only on um, municipal property value, because the reality is you could have someone who is barely managing to make ends meet in a property that has um, a, a reasonable value and is paid off, but they, month to month there's very little income to get by on. So that is um, an issue where 90% of their spend on electricity is being grabbed, uh, to use an emotive word. And the other one is the very important one that, that listeners have raised, and that is tenants. So how is the city comfortable with tenants um, who have no relationship with the city directly? Um, they have a, a contractual relationship with a landlord or a rental agency. They're buying their, their electricity on a prepaid system. And in some cases, not getting, you know, getting just 10% of it. How can the city be comfortable with that situation? Okay. Uh, thank you very much uh, for that question. Uh, firstly, on the first question, uh, I think you raised a, a very important and a real situation. But also remember that the city has a, a, a forms of assistance that are available to people like pensioners who whom would have been pensioners and therefore would not be able to uh, um, uh, afford. We do have uh, the assistance available to them uh, to avoid these types of, uh, I mean, of, of actions. Uh, and uh, uh, the, the, those people who are in those situations, they must uh, come to our municipal offices, cash offices, and apply for the indigent or rate rebate benefit. Well, remember, if you're a pensioner, we do have rate rebates and we do have indigent uh, benefits for that. So, so you will be therefore hard hit by that because you would have used that 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 mechanism uh, uh, as as a pensioner. And then, when it, uh, okay. in terms of the of the of the tenant now, remember that the, the, there's a, a contractual. A responsibility from the landlord, okay, to make sure that the tenant pays for what he or she needs to pay for. If the tenant is using water, the tenant would have to pay for water. If the tenant is using electricity, the tenant would have to pay for electricity. But for the rate, that's the responsibility of landlords. And it would then be unfair that the tenant would then have to be penalized because of irresponsibility of the landlord. And I think in that case, um, uh, you know, the, the, the tenant may, if I were to be a tenant in that case, I would then uh, come again to the uh, customer services so that the provision made uh, whether to, to, to part of the rent, you, you, you pay the, the, or force the landlord you know, to pay for the rates uh, that, that, that the city requires. Because uh, remember, these rates, um, are, 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 uh, these rates um, are used for the municipal services that, we, we, that the, tenant, uh, I mean, the tenant and the landlord enjoy. So uh, uh, the city doesn't have a legal uh, contractual obligation on the tenant. But it does on the landlord, and I think that the landlord has a responsibility, therefore, to to make uh, that um, and, and equally the responsibility to the tenant. So, if, I mean, 
it's, it's an issue of a tenant and the landlord. The city wouldn't be part to that. Uh, but I would advise that such tenants must take it up with their landlords and their landlords need to pay for the rates so that the tenant is not inconvenienced because of the landlord. Sorry, can I just get some clarity here? You started out by saying the tenant should come to customer services in this position and you've ended by saying the tenant needs to take it up with the landlord. Can the city help the tenant if they come to customer services? Uh, uh, look, I, 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 um, I think that the, the, I'm, I'm not uh, 100% sure. I'm not going to, to guess either. But I think that uh, the uh, customer service, there may be some kind of assistance in those situations, but I'm not going to, to, to guess it to you now. Uh, even though I, I still maintain that the relationship with the city is with the landlord, but obviously I think because the situation is that you do have tenants, so I I, my, I would think that there must have been a mechanism, uh, uh, um, uh, you know, perhaps to deal with that, but at the end of the day, the debt has to be paid. The rate has to be paid. Mm. Uh, so, so that's why I'm saying I cannot necessarily tell you what exactly would be the mechanism, but I think if one approaches the, the, the customer services center, they may get some information from the customer service consultant. Wendy, any uh, final questions for Sissel? Okay. Yeah. Well, I'll just to comment on that one. I think we should perhaps um, canvas this issue off air with um, rental property specialist attorney Martin Chevalier because. I, you know, it obviously impacts a lot of people. It would be very interesting to figure out what the rental, what the tenant's rights would be then to withhold the, that amount from the rental. I can then see the landlord not enjoying that and possibly wanting to evict. It's a bit of a potentially messful, messy situation, but I'll get clarity in the coming week and we can return to that in a coming show. Just one last thing, Councillor. In terms of going back to the alleged debt itself, um, you've got rates in some cases would be straightforward, uh, case of a landlord a property owner just choosing for whatever reason not to pay his rates but in other cases such as fines and water costs where there have been massive leaks not um, the uh, property owners fault that kind of thing is there a practical means for people who have been hit with these unilaterally electricity spend deductions to contest them to contest not the, not not further back than the, the, the deductions, but the actual debts themselves that have led to the deductions. Is there a, is there a process that they can follow, um, a call that they make, a visit to a particular office? How do they go about that? Uh, okay, I, I didn't quite uh, get you because you're talking about water leaking. Uh, uh, can you just quickly clarify? Okay, so, yeah. so for those who don't feel that the uh, deductions, that the the uh, debt on which the deductions are based, be it a traffic fine or a water bill or rates or whatever the case may be, um, should they want to contest the debt itself? How do they go about that? No, they can. Uh, they can. Remember, they can uh, at our customer services uh, offices. Um, the, and, and in that situation, the city would would come out, water department, uh, they've got a debt uh, management unit, they would come out and check. If, if there is a leak in your property, it would be picked up because they would come, I think, and switch off all the, the tests and all of that. But if then the meter is running, then that would be an indication that there is a leak. 
And then in that instance, if you're not indigent, then you're responsible to get a plumber to fix the leak. But if you're an indigent uh, uh, household, then the city would, would repair your leak so that you, you don't have a, a leak. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, Let me, sorry, can I interrupt? Because I think you okay. may be mis- misunderstanding the question. The question is, if somebody is experiencing the deduction that we've been yes. speaking about, that they are going to buy their prepaid electricity and finding yes. that 90% of it is being taken to, to, to pay arrears, which they dispute... What is the mechanism to challenge that? Because it doesn't seem like there is one. We're talking here in some cases about people having deductions made for, for you know, things that they say, fines that they feel have been unfairly applied. What, what is the mechanism to dispute that? No, no, there is. There is a mechanism because remember that before we get to a point of debt management action, right, the data would be notified by, via the warning notices, the letters, SMS, emails. So, at that point, it's a, a platform for you then to dispute. So because remember, this uh, mechanism is a last resort. So, so but, but that as it may, you would ignore all of these correspondence uh, from the city and the city actions, this last resort. You still can come and, and dispute, and then there's a mechanism to deal with disputes because remember then, if, if it's a property value, uh, they, there is a mechanism for a, a, a dispute around it at the time that the property valuation takes place. And then if there's a dispute about water, there's a mechanism again to, to deal with that. So there are mechanisms to deal with the disputes, but also remember that the, 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 the sliding scale, as Brett has indicated, is based on the value of the property. Right. So so the the the, the so the, 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 the debt uh, deduction and the percentages would be on the value of the property. But there is a mechanism to dispute because there is a mechanism to inform before the start of the of this action. Siseko Mbandezi, ah. maker member for finance. Um, uh, we have to leave it there. Thank you for, for your time this afternoon. Um, a lot of people finding it not particularly satisfactory, making the comment that they feel that the council has been contradicting himself and not really offering concrete answers there. Owen in retreat saying city needs to get ward councils to reach out and help people in this situation. Donny in Stellenbosch WhatsApping to say customer service won't be of any help to a tenant. They will just claim poppy and tell them they can't divulge the landlord's affairs. Mm. Another very, I think, pertinent comment here, Anonymous saying, I I feel the city doesn't understand how difficult and complicated it is for people like pensioners to apply for help. Pensioners and older people often struggle to access the help. I find there is a general lack of empathy and understanding of the situations people find themselves in. And then another one, uh, much more pointed, saying, surely the city needs approval before they can deduct money. What does the Consumer Act say about paying off debt? It seems to me like they are behaving like a loan shock. Wendy, I definitely would be interested to hear Marlon Chevalu's input on this one from the legal perspective. I think it's a great idea yes, to do a follow-up. Mm, and the debt collecting thing is not a Consumer Protection Act uh, protection. It's in the National Credit Act. But okay. I think, yes, most definitely uh, one to follow up on. I've made a note right now to email Marlon and we will definitely pick up on this because it affects a lot of people. And um, we need definitely need clarity. I would like to know if I could, you know, if it was legally possible for me to deduct 
the deductions from my rent to the landlord. Um, it seems certain that it should be, but you know, if a case like that landed up in the rental uh, housing tribunal, what would happen? So yeah. a lot to pursue and we'll definitely get to it. Okay, thanks Wendy. Such an important story uh, that affects so many people. We'll be back after a very short break. Don't go away. Kate Talk. Consumer Talk. WhatsApp on 072-567-1567. Just a few more of your responses on the WhatsApp line before we move on. Um, uh, hang your heads in shame, City of Cape Town. What a disgrace, says Anonymous. Stephen saying, I'm sorry to be blunt, but I have to comment on how this MAKO member uh, is responding. He is out of his depth and makes no sense whatsoever. Uh, this is painful to listen to, says another. No real answers or compassion. Uh, again, definitely a story we want to, to keep on chasing because Wendy, yeah, particularly the element of tenants being penalised for their land lords arrears just it cannot be legal uh, to, no, to my mind it cannot be. cannot be it cannot be it cannot be but i think the city will say they have a contractual relationship only with the landlord and uh, you know as you say a tenant uh, as a listener pointed out a, a tenant going to a municipal customer services office is going to be told go away we don't have a we don't have a relationship with, you. with yeah. you we can't be talking about this issue yeah, so so it's definitely something that's in in I think more in Marlin's um, field of expertise in terms of that relationship between the tenant and the landlord and what the tenant's rights are there because I cannot I can't believe that it wouldn't be justified legally and morally and in every other way for the the tenant to withhold the um, the relevant amount of of um their rental. rental yeah to okay. cover what they've lost in 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 electricity so but yeah um we if listeners could send their own case studies of how it's impacting them um, as a tenant um, that would be very helpful. That would be very helpful. I know we, we are going to have Marlon back with us early in the new year. I, ca- I can't remember the exact date, but it is already scheduled. So we'd love if you would like to send me an email to pippah at capetalk.co.za, particularly the person from the commune, uh, those of you who are the tenants who flagged this issue. It would be so helpful if you could just give us a broad overview of uh, the situation you're in and uh, what kind of penalties you faced because of your landlord's arrears. Uh, I, I would really appreciate that. Okay, Wendy, uh, we've only got about two minutes left before we have to wrap. Uh, Um, Can I suggest we jump to the issue that was raised last week about Capitex fraud line and we can leave the packaging conversation for another day. Absolutely. Um, uh, Last week we we took a listener query from uh, Chris who who asked why Capitec didn't appear to have a dedicated fraud line for their customers who needed to urgently report an issue. He, I think, had tried to do so and he was told that the only option was to email the client care department, which as he rightly pointed out, is hardly an urgent intervention when thieves have got their hands on your card and you wanted to stop it on the spot. Wendy, you did promise to reach out to Capitec for an answer. You hadn't had one by the time we went to air last week, but I believe you've got one in the interim. I did, and I went one step further. I went to the Ombudsman for Banking Services to say, is this a problem that your adjudicators come up against with um, Capitec fraud complaints that um, there's this delay in, in Capitec responding or in getting through to them. And he said, no, not really. And he also went to Capitec for a response, and which is pretty much the same as mine, said fraud can be reported on a on a, an, one of the 086 um, numbers um, and you have to press one. But they say um, it's literally answered within seconds after the client selects that 
number one, um, uh, because it's, you know, it's the fraud hotline, basically, and it is available 24 hours. Clients can also suspend their cards directly on our app, internet banking or mobile banking platforms. Um, and Erdrich Beitendorp, who's the Banking Ombudsman's Data Info and Operations Manager, said the banks will, in any event, refund from the time that the call came into the call center, even if they're on hold. It's very important to okay. know that whatever bank you're with, even if you are made to hold, um, as long as they, the log shows that's the time you phoned, it's not your fault if their systems are slow or they're unmanned or they're working from home or whatever the excuse is. It's from the time you made the call. So take some comfort from that. Okay, and also there's a message in there to keep on holding, Wendy, and not give up too quickly because you, I assume it'll yes. be from the, from the yes. time the call comes in you- that is eventually answered. Yes, exactly. Okay. But they, Capitec says it's not an issue because the, even if you're having to press one, it's answered almost immediately. And and the ombudsman office says they're not picking up a problem here with delays. So I hope that uh, puts Chris's mind at rest. And if, if not, if the other people who have experienced um, some kind of um, prejudice because of, you know, they couldn't get through quickly enough, then do let us know. Wendy, thanks as always for all the work you do on behalf of our listeners. Look forward to chatting to you again next week. Will do, Pippa. Thanks. Keep well. Wendy Nolan, just a reminder that if you do want to raise a case with her, the best thing to do is send an email to consumer at nola.co.za, spelled K-N-O-W-L-E-R. Please do put the words Cape Talk in the subject line.